Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Uktena, and today we'll be moving deeper into the process of reading an Akashic record or soul book by shifting from passive receiver of oracular messages to active reader of this amazingly deep well of wisdom. The first experience anyone has with books in the Akashics is oracular. Like in all the fairy tales, the book presents itself. Often its mere presence is the message, but if the person is meant to receive more than this, then information is presented in 3D images, moving pictures, and unfolding experiences like virtual reality movies. There are several reasons for this. One, the process of receiving this information should be fun, engaging, and not hard work or a struggle. Two, the message is the point, not the method. Whatever works best is used to get the point across at multiple levels simultaneously. Three, the person usually does not have the skills or stamina to take in more than the basic information, so things are simplified to accommodate. And four, the person usually has limited means of controlling the amount of information taken in, so things are presented in a way which promotes interaction while working to prevent overload. I differentiate this level of interaction with books as accessing rather than reading, because it's a bit like science fiction stories where the adventurer is confronted with alien information technology. They don't know how to work with it, but are curious, and usually the technology does all the work for them. It provides tutorials on how it can be used, routes the person towards the information most relevant to their question or questions, and can create user interfaces on the fly which accommodate the human's needs. It's more about discovery than research, more exploration and experience than targeted learning. For most, this is the best format for information to be provided specifically when it comes to personal soul-level engagement. Learning who we truly are, our best path forward in any given situation, and what the possibilities are for us in this life are rarely served by purely intellectual pursuits. This type of work is holistic by definition, and engaging all of our being, emotional, spiritual, and physical, as well as intellectual, is necessary in order for us to transform and become we learned this early in our lives. The difference between knowing something intellectually versus doing that thing is a defining aspect of our teenage years. All the firsts we go through between entering the double digits and heading into our mid-twenties put this in focus and set us up for the difficult inner dynamic of understanding what should be done while at the same time doing something completely different. So, for most people, the first book they will interact with in the Akashics is their soul book, and the first thing they will do is learn to access it. My Akashic Level 1 and 2 courses help students do just this, 
and lay the groundwork for moving beyond accessing into reading. One important thing to keep in mind when working in the Akashic Library is the fundamental difference between soul books, the individual record of each soul which exists, and the majority of all other books or documents. Soul books are aspects of the soul they record. Just as a hand, which is an aspect of the body, can be studied, spoken about, and interacted with as a discrete object, a soul book is part of the person's soul made manifest as a reference and information source. It's therefore proactive in the information it provides, how it provides it, and who it works with. When a student is working with their soul book, they are interacting with an aspect of themselves which has not forgotten any part of their true nature, nor the constraints of and reasons for embodiment, and acts accordingly. Other books, documents, and resources in the library are not proactive in this manner or related to the person accessing them, and so different rules of interaction apply to them. Many students, on first attempting to work with a non-soul book, find themselves frustrated because when opened, it has blank pages. They often interpret this as a message they are not meant to read the book or are meant to do something else, and so stop the process before they've even begun. The first step in accessing a book other than a soul book is to let it know you wish to read it. The easiest way to understand this is to think of how you would interact with someone in a store. When you want to ask someone something or gain their attention so you can request something of them, you don't just grab them and begin manipulating their limbs or force them to face you physically. Through various social cues, you gain their attention. You approach them in such a way as to introduce yourself, if even for a moment, and then make your request. With a book, letting it know you want to access the information inside will, in most cases, change the pages from blank to information-filled. Books, parchment, tablets, and various materials can then be worked with in somewhat the same manner as a soul book. The amount to which the book is willing to work in an oracular fashion, and the information makes sense in this format, varies from item to item. Extremely complex subjects are those dealing with matters only loosely connected to embodied existence, can translate badly into movie or even pictorial symbolic language. This can cause experience like the pages transforming into uncolored pop-up pages like children's books merged with origami. Much gets lost in translation. Moving beyond accessing into reading takes a new level of effort and skill from the reader. In order to read a book or document, the student must both move into a role of agency concerning the material and also develop the skill to direct and control the format of the information. Instead of accepting whatever information is provided with the assumption the book or document knows what is best and most pertinent, to read a book means entering into a conversation with it. The easiest way to do this is to say, thank you for letting me work with you. The next thing is to request that the information display on the pages. This does two things. It deselects oracular visuals, 
and also gives the book a sample of the reader's mental language and symbol format, which allows it to translate the information into a digestible form. Once this is done, the book can be opened. Not all, but most books, will display visuals on the left-hand page and text on the right. Most students are attracted to the visuals on the left. Books may display these as static pictures or as in motion, somewhat like in the Harry Potter books. The text on the right will seem to be like any words on a page, although even a quick glance will show that they're in no language the reader has ever seen before. Reading begins when the reader focuses on the words. Looking at the text will cause a line to highlight, like someone has placed a bar magnifier over it. The words for this line will become brighter than the rest of the page, and will translate into the primary spoken language of the reader. They will remain this way until the reader has read them. This means the book can display in any written language and can be read in whichever direction the language is meant to display. For example, in English, this is from top left to bottom right. In Hebrew, from right to left. And for Chinese, this is in columns top to bottom. As the reader moves from row to row, the highlight moves with them, untranslating what has been read and translating what comes next. Within the text, there are concepts and types of information which defy translation. They appear as words like the rest of the text, but when the reader reads them, they impart concentrated information much like a complex symbol or visual experience. I call these words nuggets, as relating them to someone can take hours, and entire books worth of spoken words. One example of this might be coming across the word love in a book, and in the process of reading it, the word begins unpacking all the poetry of Rumi, the writings of Plato and Aristotle, the mystery teachings of Eros, and so on. The information must be experienced, but this is not the same as oracular experience from a soul book, where experiencing is part of the message. Instead, this is the means by which books and documents in the Akashics do not suffer from misinterpretation. Words which can mean a plethora of things simply hold all of the relevant meanings in them connected with the topic and provide those meanings as necessary. So reading one word in a book can actually take an entire reading session. The text on the right-hand page is directly linked to the image on the left-hand page. And so, as the words are read, the image will change. Just as the text is translated from its native form to the primary language of the reader, the image will adjust to the level of information accessed, the access rate, and what aspects are the focus. This reflects the conversational aspect of the process. Just as we don't monologue at our friends or loved ones, but instead engage in a back and forth, which creates the conversation as much as draws information from it, so any book or document will adjust the type and flow of information displayed. A reader has the ability to ask for this to be adjusted. If the information isn't going deep enough, if the display isn't fast enough, 
if things are going too fast or in too chaotic a manner, the reader is not relegated to just living with it, but instead can ask for changes. Hence, the right-hand page can be just as multidimensional as the left-hand page of a book. There are layers and levels of information to each page, and the reader has the ability to decide how much to access. While this process can seem focused on the intellect, just as reading is in embodied life, the process is actually as holistic as accessing a soul book. While reading, the information is not only taken in by the mind, but like a time-release capsule, is also fed into the body via the akasha or prana, and will continually inform the reader throughout the next few hours or even days as the soul and the body adjust and sink to this new knowing. It becomes, quite literally, muscle memory and body knowing. Moving beyond accessing information to actually reading books and documents is exceedingly helpful for those who wish to move beyond their personal growth to other areas of education and development. For students who want to retrieve ancient healing practices and translate them into the 21st century, being able to read the books concerning them is priceless. It takes the guesswork and need for intuitive processing out of the picture by providing explicit instructions and sometimes suggestions on how to combine them with existing modalities. Students who are interested in exploring the soul-body connection more fully can fill themselves with levels of knowledge. Those curious about beings from other planets, the various dimensions, or the ecology of the stars have entire wings in the library they can access filled with books ranging from the purpose for and educational lessons available on each planet to the societies and social structures of the beings embodying there. For those interested in knowing the details concerning totems or specific angels, there are books on each of these as well. Once you can read, not just access, books in the Akashic Library, there are no limits to what you can learn. You can also turn around and use these same skills with your own soul book to deepen your personal learning. So what's on your reading list? And that's all the time we have this week. Next week, we'll be taking a quick tour of the Akashic City to see what lies beyond the Akashic Library and soul books. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please take a minute to show it some love on iTunes. Your comments are also appreciated. Thanks. Bye.